This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. G'day, mates. Hope you're well. Hope you're having a bloody good day, wherever you are. Um, I guess this week is American stand-up comedian Al Del Benny. Born and raised in Boston, Al has had an interesting time of it, uh, from having a cocaine habit as a 13-year-old to performing in stadiums full of people. He's certainly given life a good nudge so far. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Al Del Bene, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? I'm um, well. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. I cool. cut that little... You cut the little thing out so yeah. I shouldn't reference it? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you're laughing. Okay. Before I start every episode, I cough and clear my throat yes. uh, at the start of recording, so I know where to start when I edit. Ah, um, it's like a clapper. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I just saw you smiling yeah, <laughs> so I thought, I did it when I looked up. Because I actually thought, is that, is that just a thing he does... <laughs> Like, do, do his fans look forward to a little <laughs> cough to let them know it's Daniel time? The phlegm is clear. Yeah. He's here to go. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for joining me, first of all, in my cabin. Uh, we are currently, you and I, performing on the Carnival Cruise, on a Carnival Cruise, Carnival yes. Spirit. We're currently off the coast of Bali, yeah. uh, off the coast of Indonesia. Uh, it's about 36 degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> and we are in the gallows of the ship recording a podcast. Very but, cool. No, I, uh, Now, born and raised in Boston. You Correct. Were saying, yes, yeah. just uh, outside of Boston, but you know, yeah. essentially. You say Boston. Boston. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was life, sort of childhood like growing up? Because, like, for an Australian uh, watching films growing up, you know, yeah. you a lot of Boston based films. You just see the kids, they're sort of, you know, listening to Springsteen, Billy Joel, and playing <laughs> hockey in the street. And then a car comes and they move their yeah. goals. And then on the weekend, they go and watch either baseball, gridiron, or. Yeah, it was it was yeah, kind of so, like that. Yeah. Like I, in my street, I was in a suburb, and and um, uh, to paint a picture, there were three sort of adjacent streets, and there were for some reason, uh, maybe because it was the seventies and eighties, there were just maybe three dozen kids, um, yeah, like, and we all just played together, and we <laughs> we would we would collaborate and organize big, huge games of um, sort of group hide and seek, which we called chase. 
Right. Some call it Relievio. Uh, Aussies probably call it something very fucking weird. <laughs> um, but so it's like Team Chase, Team uh, Hide and Seek. Oh, Capture team the flag, hide. essentially. Ah, okay. Yeah, and it would, okay. take, it, it, it would take all day. Yeah. Um, so we did a lot of that. Wiffle ball, do you know what wiffle ball is? Um, maybe we call it something else. Well, What's... wiffle ball is baseball, but just with a plastic bat and a, a plastic hollow ball. But the, ah, okay. the ball has holes cut out in it. Yeah. So when you throw it, it goes... Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, where the wiffle comes from. And doesn't go as far either, I guess. No, it doesn't go as far. Mm. can't hurt you. And we used to play that on the street. And yeah. And then when the cars come, you'd go, ka, <laughs> and everybody would clear out. Yeah. And then and then game on again as soon as the car. So you you, you were actually right about that. Yeah, right. Yeah, and street hockey. Yeah. yeah. Oh, excellent. Did you play any sports? No, I was, um, was kind of like a fat kid. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I played the... I never played organized sports, but I, I played the sports on the street. But I wasn't... I, I didn't really grow into athleticism until I was uh, after um, middle school. You guys yeah. don't have that either in Australia, do you? No. Yeah, year seven and eight is middle school. They separate okay. the general population. They take the 11 and 12-year-olds and put them in their own building. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then when I got to high school, I sort of growth spurt and, uh, and, and you know, became uh, the man you see before you today. Yeah. <laughs> the athlete. The athlete. <laughs> we just played basketball, too, so, you yeah. know, that's not true, but... Uh, now, in your stand-up you do on stage, you mentioned that you had a cocaine addiction at the age of 13. Yeah, how, well... How, to, to an Australian uh, where you know, cocaine here is quite expensive, yeah. and um, not that I go seeking it, but I just mm-hmm. can't say I know too many people have, have ever had a cocaine addiction at 13. How did that come about for you? Well, I wouldn't say I had an addiction, no. But I did it regularly. Right. I wasn't like a, a fiend, but it was just it was readily available. You could get a quarter gram at that time for twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. I think I worked at a job. I had a job pumping petrol. Yeah. Um. Back when people used to do it, and uh, yeah, and it was just uh, it was just made available to me. My life. I, I was a, I was a, a sad child, so I was self medicating. I did everything. Okay. It wasn't just coke. I smoked tons of weed, drank all the time. Mm. At um, that age, at thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it started right around uh, 12 and then 13 with cocaine, and then I quit cocaine when I was 17. Mm. I had the brains enough to... Uh, I remember the night, the last night I did it was New Year's Eve, 1989 into 90, and uh, I was at a big house party. I didn't know the person. I was all coked up. I had to take a shit real bad, <laughs> and I couldn't find the bathroom, so I went out into the woods behind the house, and I'm like squatting in the woods, and it's freezing because it's, you know, this is Boston in, in winter, and uh, I'm shivering, and I'm... I'm I'm trying to take my shit and uh, and I hear from the surrounding neighborhood ten nine eight. <laughs> so I'm out by myself in the woods taking a shit on you know the countdown and I just went oh, what am I doing? Yeah. And that was the last time I ever did cocaine. Wow. So, yeah. So did you know many other people your age doing it? Or were you yeah, sort yeah. Of, yeah. 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 All my friends like I just we you find each other mm. um, and we yeah. all had older brothers that you know either dealt ah, it or okay. could get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just that. Yeah, that kind of neighborhood. Were you playing your street games, chase and stuff? Um, not at that point, it? no. No. <laughs> Would have made it a bit more interesting. Yeah, we, I think I got suspended because I failed the drug test. Wow. For wiffle ball, yeah. So, um, no. Uh, Sniffle at, ball. At, <laughs> at that point, we were just hanging out, you know, drinking and doing drugs and looking, either doing them or looking for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was no internet, so we had to drive around. So when did uh, stand-up become an interest? Like, were you watching a lot of stand-up in the days you were smoking the weed? Yeah, man. Like, because uh, we got, I think we got cable TV when I was like 11 or 12 and HBO. And I just, you know, it was George Carlin and Robert Klein mm. and Robin Williams and Whoopi yeah. Goldberg and 
Um, and I was just like, oh. and I don't know if it was because my life was such shit at the time. It was a great escape, but I just saw it and I went, I love it. Mm. And I think I can do that. Like, yeah. I want to do that. Um, so I knew at 12 I wanted to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, but I was scared shitless of doing it. So uh, it, it took it took a lot to get me actually up there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did it. And uh, that was fucking 1991 was my yeah. first time. So 18. 18. Mm. So yeah. you started in Boston, just around the clubs there? Yeah, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, at a little place called Catch a Rising Star. Uh, <laughs> my friend and I, we both wanted to be comics, so we'd go every Monday and watch this sketch group called Cross Comedy. It was David Cross and um, wow. and a bunch of his friends doing sketch, and then they do an open mic they do the open mic first, and then they do cross comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went for weeks and weeks and weeks and just watched. And then my friend got up one night and signed up for the open mic. But in that day, you signed up with your address, and you get a uh, postcard in the mail that gave you your date. So it wasn't like really? sign up on the night. Yeah. yeah. So he signed up. So I was like, fuck, now I have to sign up. And yeah. I, I wanted to, but I was just you know riddled with fear. So <laughs> I went up and signed up reluctantly. And um, my date actually came in first. And, um, but it was interesting. I, so I did my thing fresh out of high school. So it was packed out. David mm-hmm. Cross was MC. And because it was packed out with my friends, when he said my name, the place just went nuts. Yeah. And I remember, I remember him specifically going, you know, he saw the reaction of the crowd and he went, new kids on the block, Al Del Bene. <laughs> um, and I smashed it because it was just all my high school friends. Yeah, yeah. And I was feeling good about it. And I went up to the club owner, the booker afterwards. And I said, uh, you know, you know how new comics, I was like typical new comic. And I went mm-hmm. up like, what you think about that? <laughs> and he went, I think you were mean. That's what he said. And I remember being so confused by that. And what ended up happening was my friend, uh, someone didn't show up. Someone missed their open mic spot. And they called his name three times. And on the third time, my friend just went, yep, I'm, I'm him. And, and he went up and did his set on the same night yeah, I did great. mine. So we, we had our first night together, which was great. Just five minutes, was it? Yeah, just five minutes, which seemed yeah. like an eternity yeah. back then. Yeah. So had you stopped uh, taking any drugs at that point? No, not no. yet. It was very... Very close. Comedy was the reason I stopped, yeah, but yeah. not quite yet. Right. Um, so we started doing stand-up, and then <clears throat> my friend and I, I went off to uh, Bunker Hill Community College. I never planned on going to college. I always fucking hated school uh, with every fiber of my being. And I, <laughs> I really, as soon as, I remember my whole school career just thinking, as soon as I don't have to go, I'm not going to go anymore. And something happened. At my graduation party, um, one of my aunts worked at this college and. Uh, knew someone in the financial aid department and I couldn't afford to go. So she hooked it all up so I didn't have to do like as much paperwork as whatever because I wouldn't have done it. So she made it easy for me and I went to college, took a drama course and met uh, Robert Kelly, Bobby Kelly. Right. I don't know if you've ever heard of... I've heard the name, yeah. yeah. And um, and I was already friends with uh, Dane Cook from high school. He was my friend that we did comedy uh, together at the Catch a Rising Star. Yeah. And um, so we formed a comedy group called Al and the Monkeys. And uh, and we won some talent competition in uh, in college. And then it was Bobby Kelly who was like, we could take this pro, we could take this mm. pro. And um, it's like, I never wanted to do anything. I was like, nah, let's yeah. just leave it. Um, but he he fought on and we took it pro. And, and, and then what ended up happening was I was 18 years old, 19 years old, and the legal drinking age in the US is 21. Mm-hmm. But they were just feeding me beers. So we went pro and we're playing these clubs and they're just giving me beers. And I'm drinking six, nine beers before a show yeah. and just really fucking up the shows. <laughs> so they kicked me out of Al and the Monkeys. I was Al <laughs> and they kicked me out. And that's that's the first time in my life that something was more important to me than drugs and alcohol. Right. Yeah. And I just, it scared the fuck out of me. And I just went, all right. And I, 
I let that happen for like a month, and then I went back to them and was like, I'll quit everything, blah, blah, blah. And it was weird because I was lying to them. I remember specifically thinking, I'm not going to. But like we'd have a show or we'd have a rehearsal, and uh, I just couldn't find time to do drugs anymore. So okay. that's how it fucking happened. Yeah. yeah. So And then you rejoined Alan and the Monkeys. And yes. So they didn't change the name when you were No, they, they did. They played like one or two shows as the Abandoned Babies. <laughs> and it was just the two of them. And I remember being so scared, and I went to watch them. Uh, and they didn't do very well. Okay. And I was so relieved. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I was just like, well, oh, please. Because if they yeah. smashed it, I would have been all done. Yeah. Um, and So that and then my plea, like, I promise I'll quit everything. And mm. I did. So it all it all worked out. Yeah. So you, then you hung around Boston for a little while after college, did you? And moved up to New uh, York? Yeah, I didn't finish college. I quit college after a year to, to pursue comedy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that was 90, 92 or 93. Yeah, and I just stayed in Boston. Uh, is there is there much of a scene there? Like, apart yeah, there's a great yeah. scene. Yeah. I don't know what it's like uh, these days, but back then, man, you could get on <clears throat> nine times a week, ten oh, times right. a week. Wow, there were just a ton of clubs, ton of mics, and uh, you know you could wheel and deal. I wasn't really ever passed in any of the clubs, but you'd get in with the door guy because yeah. again, this is back before the internet, so you just hang out with the door dude. He'd get a phone call with the comics that were going to be on that night and he'd just write them on like a chalkboard yeah. and, and I'd go, hey, can you throw my name up there? And he'd yeah. go, yep. And he'd just put my name on it and then the MC would come and copy that down yeah. and that was it. I was on the show. Oh, excellent. Um, so I was kept sneaking my way into uh, rooms that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then what, what age were you when you went up to New York to, to live? Uh, 98, so I was uh, 25. Yeah. And yeah. is that kind of the normal progression if you want to go well, sort of next level? Or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and again, I didn't want to. All my friends went a year or two before me. So I, it was, again, I was like, fuck, I have to do this. Like yeah. I was such a reluctant comedian. Yeah. Like I just wanted everything to be easy. So I moved to New York in 98. And uh, when I got there, all my friends, there was like, you know, a bunch of people uh, from Boston who had already moved and they were already past at all the clubs and, and whatever. And, and when I got there, New York just kind of broke my brain. Yeah. Um, it was huge. I was had you scared. been there much before? That? No, we used to take uh, probably three or four times. We've taken trips and, and done yeah. shows there, but um, but I uh, I just couldn't hack it, and the and the level of competition it was like whoa, mm, like yeah. in Boston it was like a a, a supportive community. Yeah, yeah. When you got to New York, it was real and cutthroat. And cutthroat. Yeah. And I was by myself all of a sudden, and I just went, oh my god. And I remember literally like my first night in New York, we went up to um co the comic strip on the Upper East Side. Just to hang out and see see what we could uh, find out. It was just me and a friend of mine who I don't think was a comedian, and um, we're walking down the street after the show, and these two girls are walking, coming toward us, and she looked at me, and I looked at her, so I went hi, and this was my introduction to New York. I'll never forget it. She said, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> and I just started dying laughing. I was like, "Oh fuck!" But that summed up New York for me. Yeah, yeah. Who the fuck are you? And um, I got, I got auditions at all the clubs and they all said the same thing uh you're just another funny white guy yeah uh comedy was right on the cusp of changing i was still doing impressions and i was still doing uh what i was doing in boston cute likable stuff and and comedy was just turning to like let's be as real as we can be okay yeah um and literally every club owner pretty much told me you're just another funny white guy wow. i got like 10 of you yeah so you had uh, to audition to even just get a start just to get a, a spot yeah yeah Wow, just that just sheer, sheer amount of comedians. Yeah, in town. And plus, yeah, and it was, it was just the the amount of talent as well. Mm. Um, but luckily, in New York, there's an insane like uh, com comic run comedy circuit, like mm -hmm. an underground comedy circuit. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I just got 
I got good by just doing all these rooms that nobody knew I was doing. Yeah. So like I wasn't playing the cellar. I was in at the Boston Comedy Club. Ironically, it's in New York, but it's called the Boston Comedy Club. So I was in there and I would do spots there and that that was good. But I didn't get past at the cellar. I didn't get past at uh, Comic Strip. It was funny. Uh, a friend of mine and I, we, we did a comedy duo for a little while called The Extraordinaries. Mm-hmm. And we would do... Uh, <laughs> it's so silly when I think about it now. Our whole shtick was that we were from the 1950s <laughs> and that Buddy Holly's plane fell on us. And we woke up in the year 2000 um, in Central Park. But, but we, so our songs were sort of um, sexist and racist, but cute and innocent. So like, and it all in a doo-wop style. Um, and we, we played Caroline's comedy on Broadway and, um, and it was a bringer show. So that means you have to bring at least like 10 people or yeah, something. Yeah. And I think 50 people showed up to see us. Um, so the guy called me the next week and was like, oh my God, that was great. Uh, we want you back. And I was like, great. And I was like, I felt amazing. I was like, why we've been past at Caroline's, <laughs> but he wanted to give us another bringer show. And I, it broke my heart. Yeah. And I just went, ah, no. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to get that same 50 yeah, people. Just yeah. no. And, and it was like in Boston, I never met any sort of resistance and I couldn't hack it. So I just, New York just, I, I spiraled. Right. Uh, I even, I quit comedy for a few years. Really? Um, yeah. I just went, fuck it. I quit. And I started doing theater in New York and, um, Luckily, that's how I met my wife, so that all worked out. Yeah, yeah. So there, yeah, there was like three years, I think, I didn't do comedy in New York. And, and maybe like a little bit, one or two mm. shows every few months, just because someone asked me to do it. But it was literally like, if it was sort of, you know, just lightly raining outside, I would call and cancel. <laughs> um, be like, oh, I can't do it. So yeah, New York was like a, a roller coaster yeah, for right. me. It was, is it is it a hard place to uh, live? Like, is it a, is it expen- was it expensive at the time? It... And- it was, it sort of was and it wasn't. Like you can find, I don't know if you can find stuff like this anymore, but I lived in Queens and then I lived in Jersey City, which is in New Jersey, but it's it's like literally like you can look out your window and see the World Trade Center you, mm. or you used to be able to. Yeah. It was right, it's right on the river. So it's closer to Manhattan than, than Queens. And there the, I was living in a big, huge apartment uh, with two other comics and a guy who was never there. It was a four bedroom, so there were four of us. So I think my monthly rent was three twenty five. Okay, that's um, yeah. So I could be a starving artist and yeah. and do that. Yeah. Did you make much money off the theater stuff? Did you? No, no. It was just yeah. it was just like you know food food and, and travel money yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. And you just mentioned there the uh, World Trade Center. So you were living in New York when the September eleven. Yes, happened? I was living in New York. Uh, well, Jersey City. But I was closer to the towers than most of New York was. Uh, but I was on my honeymoon when 9/11 happened. So, really? Yeah, I was down in Florida. Um, I got this gig doing um, doing <laughs> emceeing these uh, what they call them. They were like these big events for uh, Ralston Purina, the dog food company. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they had these big outdoor events for dogs, and they were massive. And they they paid me like 1,200 bucks, and they'd fly me all around the country, and I would do these one. I would just do Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had two. I had one in Northern Florida and one in Southern Florida. So being the sort of starving artist that I was, I uh, put my um, honeymoon in between those two dates and we just went to Florida and we're going to do Disneyland and all that. Yeah. And uh, and 9-11 happened while we were down there and it just, it was fucking freaky. Yeah. Um, was it hard to get back then after it all happened? Uh, no, actually, the, the it was amazing. The, um, the rental car companies were really nice. Because uh, we didn't want to fly back, obviously, yeah. so we said not. We're, we're gonna. So we drove back, and the rental car didn't charge us for the one-way drop-off because you know the country was oh, in crisis. Yeah, they were right. like, "We'll just charge you the normal rate." So yeah. we took a car from Florida, left it in New York, and they just charged us like 
normal. And oh, thought, wow. Aw. Yeah, right. That's nice of them. Yeah. Uh, but it was just weird pulling back up and, you know, where normally you'd see the World Trade Center was still billowing with smoke. Because mm. it was weird. We just wanted to get home. Like, we wanted to get back as soon as yeah. it happened. We went to Disneyland two days after 9-11 because it was closed the next day. So we went the first day it opened and it was empty. Mm. And we thought we would enjoy it, but like you, we were traumatized and we'd go on these rides and it was like, you know, it wasn't any fun because mm. they're like traumatic roller coasters and shit. And we just were like, fuck, let's get out of here. Yeah. And we went home. Yeah. What was, did you go back and get into like the theater scene and the comedy scene after that happened? Like were you? No, that was, I, uh, I got back into comedy after 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. Just sort of curious to what the vibe would have been like in rooms then and was there was there people trying to be oh, ed- edgy and like and the next day. It's really, New York. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and some of them had good stuff and some of them was like, stop it. Yeah. Um but that's that's what New York was all about. Was like you know, and plus you lived there and you felt like you were, it was like, well, I get to do this because yeah. I live here. Right. Um, I don't know if I had any jokes about it, but guys did definitely, mm. like immediately afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how long after that did you move to LA? I moved to LA in 06. Right. Yeah. And you'd started, you, that was sort of to pursue comedy again or, or more acting? Yeah, yeah. So? No, comedy. It was all comedy by yeah. then because, um, yeah, I had I'd gotten back into the comedy like oh three oh four and oh five and then in oh six I moved to l a we drove cross country, yeah, and then it's just been comedy ever since, yeah because it, it's it pays it's instant gratification, like yeah. I love acting, but I just haven't there's something um as I get older, and I don't know what what this is, but i find I always find it wanky when uh like a, an agent approached me in Australia in Sydney and said, "Oh great." And I said, yeah, I'm interested in doing some commercials or whatever. And she said, great. I need a picture of you looking sporty, a picture of you <laughs> looking like a doctor. And I just went, ah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And, you know, I just feel like you don't need that. This That's 1980s. <laughs> like, so I just, I never talked to her again. <laughs> I just, I just feel like it's fucking weird. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a grown man. She could have taken a shot of, I could have taken a photo of you upstairs just before we were playing. Playing ball. One-on-one. Oh, yeah. Basketball. That would have been a good shot. Yeah. Looking sporty. <laughs> Uh, with, you just mentioned agents there. In, in the States, I'm always curious about the uh, – with stand-up, it seems like when you start or just in your first few years, like getting a, an agent is something that is sought after. It's very different to here. Like uh, here you can be independent and still sort of yeah. get work uh, for yourself. But over there, is it crucial to have a, an agent? It's not crucial, but it helps. Yeah. Right. Um, and what ended up – and it's all changed. I mean, when I first started out, you'd get uh, an an agent or a manager and they were your booking agent and they'd, they'd get you work. And then when I got to LA, it was more just about auditions and stuff. And in fact, both of my – managers in new york were like we, we're not getting we don't do bookings like we're not going to get you uh, club you do, bookings okay yeah um it was just all about tv and and um commercials and stuff yeah uh, which again i got sick of commercial auditions in <laughs> la because you drive two hours in traffic you'd be in the room in front of people for 30 seconds they go cluck like a chicken you're like i'm fucking 35 <laughs> asshole um and it, it was just like my Something happened. My ego, my manhood, something went, I'm not going to dance around like a fool anymore. I'm just, I can't fucking, like comedy is one thing because it's what I want to say. Yeah. But this feels desperate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, to some people it's just a job, but I went, nah, I think, I think I'm desperate. Mm. I need to stop now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It started to get that way with commercials and stuff yeah. like that. Did, in the, with the comedy scene, did you, was there a big difference in the in the New York to LA scene? That you yes, noticed? yes. In New York, the big the big thing felt like to me it was almost a vibe of I don't want to be on stage, but I'm doing you guys a favor. Yeah. Um, 
But you get real good in New York because the audiences at a lot of the clubs were reluctant. They were they were barked in, you know. There'd be a guy on the street going, comedy, comedy, comedy. And they were real good at convincing people to come in even when they had no plans on going to yeah. a comedy show that yeah. night. But there was so much foot traffic. So, um, I mean, like Caroline's in the cellar and stuff. Of course, those people go there to see comedy. But the rooms I was playing, it was people with their arms crossed going, <laughs> I can't believe I'm fucking sitting here. Yeah. Um, and I learned in New York, like, to make a connection. In Boston, I would just go up and be cutesy and dirty and silly. Mm. But in New York, you had to sort of look at people and go, hey, hey, what's up? All right. Mm. My name's Al. Here we go. Like, yeah. um, I learned how to be real. Mm-hmm. Where in Boston, I didn't have to do that. I could just go up and just go, Wah! and mm. people would love it. But in L.A., it's it's showtime. It's, you you know, uh, you want to be on stage. Yeah. You're, you're here for everybody. It's, it's you know, it's, uh, it's it's a bit of theater as well. Yeah. Where in New York, it's as, it's trying to be as pure as possible. Mm. In L.A., it's like, oh, we're, in, we're all trying to get famous. That's why we're in L.A. Right, yeah. So there's um, a lot of like, oh, you know, we're looking for a, a movie deal or a break or a, yeah, you yeah. know, a, a, a special, like a yeah. comedy special or something. Anything yeah. like that. And they used yeah. to have industry nights at the Laugh Factory where it was nothing but industry in the audience. Mm. And those shows were awful because they're not laughing. They're just, they're looking at you and they're they're trying to figure oh. out where they can. And they, they used to do my head in like, I sucked because I would get mad that no one was laughing. <laughs> um, and then there was one that I... I didn't, you know, I wasn't getting laughs because they never got laughs, but I, I didn't uh, self-destruct and I got a meeting out of it. And um, <laughs> and then the woman called my manager and my manager called me and said, I don't know what you said to her, but she was like gushing over you. <laughs> um, and I never followed it up because that's just, that's my, that's my MO. <laughs> I just burn opportunities. Yeah. You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Well, one opportunity you didn't burn was um, your obviously your friendship with Dane Cook, yes, a well-known American comedian. Uh, so, it w- was he in LA when you had moved over there? Yeah, yeah, we had chatted because uh, the reason I moved to LA was we we were going to move to Sydney back in '06, and uh, we filled out all this paperwork because your your my wife's Australian, Australian, yeah, yeah right. and um, we were going to move to Sydney. We filled out the paperwork. Something happened that messed it up, and then. Through that mess up, we realized that because I, I thought I could I could get approved for permanent residency and then move anytime I want, but they go no no you're approved you have to move before this date, mm. and and we went oh fuck we're not going to do that so yeah. we thought well let's go to L A that's ha- that's a lot closer to to Sydney than New York is okay yeah. um, so it was kind of a halfway point so that's the reason we went and so I called Dane um, we hadn't been hanging out much you know he got famous I got married. Um, <laughs> But I called him and said, hey, I'm moving to L.A. And he was like, cool. you know. And we hadn't even seen each other in years. But it was like as soon as we, we started hanging out again, it was like, boom. Yeah, right back Because we'd known each other since we were 15 or something. Yeah. So we, we tentatively, you know, we had like had a chat one night and it was just like, wow, mm. this is the same as it ever was. We're just, yeah. you know, and, and it was great. And he helped me out a lot. He, he, you know, with his experience in the biz, he knew he knew, let me know how to navigate certain things. Yeah. So, you know, save me some time on stuff. And had, had he um, been in LA for quite a while? Yeah, he'd been in LA for a long time. Yeah, I think he only spent a couple. Like he went to New York in, I think ninety six, and then he was like in LA by ninety eight, I right. think, or something yeah. like that. Maybe two thousand. Yeah, he didn't spend much time in New York. Yeah, and then and then that uh, friendship led to him asking you to support him on a on a was it an American wide tour or a worldwide tour? Yeah, it was American. Well, we did we did do um on the first one, we did uh, what we called Desert to Desert. We did a little Vegas 
thing in like a 5,000 seater at the Caesars Palace, um, which was the biggest crowd I had played up until that point. And that scared the shit out of me. So we did that. And then I think we did two or three shows at Caesars Palace. And then we, from there, flew to Kuwait and Iraq and did 10 days for the troops. Okay. Um, so that was like desert to desert. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was like my first taste of sort of, you know, what was to come. And then, um, yeah. And then me, Robert Kelly, and Dane, uh, Dane took me and Robert out. Uh, and in the first tour we did, he it was like um, stadiums. The first, the first stadium I played was in Florida, and it was 20,000 people. Um, <laughs> and it's it was in the round, so you're surrounded by the yeah. entire crowd. It, it doesn't um, sound like that would work for comedy, that many people. I know, but it really does. And I, yeah. I think it also has to do with Dane's fans. Like, they're just up for comedy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think if I was opening for, I don't know, I don't know what other comedian, but like, Dane's fans were just like, oh, an opener, yay! You yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, you're not fucking Dane. Yeah. Um, they were just up for it. And Dane used to do this thing uh, most nights where, because um, there were big jumbotrons, four big jumbotrons above the stage and uh, in, every, in each direction. And we'd get on, we'd get on the live feed from backstage, and Dane would sort of endorse us before we hit the stage. So on the jumbotrons, Dane would be like, "Hey, everybody!" And you know, you'd hear the crowd go wild. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, "I'm Dane. Um, I'm coming out. I can't wait to perform for you. But before I do, I brought a couple of friends along. Uh, this is my buddy Bobby, and this is my friend Al. He's coming out right now. So yeah. enjoy them, and I'll be out in a few. You know. Yeah, cool. It, it was great. It was really nice of him to do that. And you mm. just run out and do the show, and they'd be like, ah. Mm. So was that was that the original Al and the Monkeys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, we had there was a fourth guy who quit uh, performing altogether, mm. but his name was Jay Hall, and he's fucking lovely. But that was yeah, that was the must original. have been cool being back on the. It it was it was very cool. Twenty thousand stadiums for that. Yeah, yeah, no, it was very cool. And and for that first tour too, it was all private jets, so we were home. <laughs> oh, really? We were home Monday through Wednesday or something. Monday through Thursday. Really? And then would fly to whatever. Oh my god! So you'd do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday in different cities, but with a private jet. <laughs> and then you're home on the Monday. So yeah, and it was great. And then the second year, uh, we went out again on a different tour, and uh, that was a tour bus, but that was a hotel on wheels. It was Shit. just brilliant. Yeah. And that one, you're on the road the whole time. So for like a month solid, you're on the road. Mm. Uh, but that one was a lot of fun because. Dane, uh, and that was different. That was me, Ben Glebe, Jay, Chris Newberg. So it was three three support acts and Dane. Uh, but Dane would bring me back up for his encore. Yeah. Um, and we and we would sing like silly songs and shit. Yeah. And, and and it was amazing because we used to do that in his mother's basement yeah, cool. when we were like fifteen and sixteen. Yeah. And then just you know, I turned to him one night in the middle of like you know thirty uh, twenty thousand people and just went, "Do we used to?" Do this in your mother's basement and like <laughs> look at this and you just felt like a rock star yeah that's awesome um it was so much fun yeah did, yeah did you find your like when you'd go back to just the club after that yeah. after playing to 20 did you just feel like 10 feet tall like that it was well it helped your confidence but it wasn't like because on that private jet tour i had a regular <laughs> gig i had a regular gig that i emceed um at a casino every wednesday night like uh an hour and a half out of la hmm. And I kept, even during that tour, I kept doing it because I could. I was home. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to go and do that. Mm. And I never know. It was just, I was confident, but I wasn't like, I'm above this or fuck you people. Yeah. It was just like, 
fuck, I'm juiced up. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, it does wonders for your confidence because also yeah. when you meet people after the shows at stadiums, they just, you're a rock star because yeah. they just saw you at a stadium. Mm. So they're like, oh my God, you were amazing. Yeah. So you were able to get a few new fans out of that? Off the yeah, back yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was right around the time like Twitter was coming out and stuff. So A few, like, I mean, thousands of fans. Out yeah, of yeah. <laughs> um, so it was good because it was like, you know, it, it coincided with uh, social media. So yeah. I, I got some followers like immediately yeah. just from touring with Dane. So, so when you're doing, how long were you support spots in the? Uh, I think they were the first tour. I think was I was the first support, so I think I did ten. Yeah, and uh, Bobby Kelly did twenty, and the the second tour I was main support, so I did twenty. Yeah, and the other guys, I don't know what they, I forget what they did. So doing twenty minutes to say ten thousand people. Yeah, when you're doing it to say five hundred, you might do, I don't know, say eleven bits of material that you've got in your head. Yeah. When you're doing it to 10,000, are you only doing five or six because it takes so long for people to stop laughing and um, the room to go quiet yeah, I didn't again? notice that. Like, I'm not that technical. I just did, right. you know, I just was looking at the clock on the stage <laughs> going, all right, and I'm done now. Bye. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure I worked it out, but I didn't notice like, oh, this is more jokes or less jokes. Mm. It was just, and I'll tell, be honest with you, there were some bits I was doing on the road that I that I forget that I was like, oh, that was brilliant. I wish I could remember what that was. <laughs> But I don't. There was. I had this bit about my little son sitting in front of a drawer and not real. Like he would pull the drawer out, and like to him it was like, "Where the fuck did this come from?" <laughs> and he'd push it back and he'd be like, "Where the fuck did that go?" <laughs> and like talking like that though and swearing and and I had it down and I, I don't. I don't think it's on video anywhere. But anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it's just one of those bits that I was like, I really like doing that. And I only did it on that tour. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. I have to bring it back for the cruises, man. Exactly. <laughs> now, you in LA, you, you're saying you did a few auditions for ads and things. You also yes. did a couple of films? Um, yeah. I, well, I did I did one in LA, and I was mm. I was cut out of it. Um, <laughs> it, really? It was, it was, yeah, it was uh, one of Dane's movies. It was... Um, so, you acted, did all the lines to oh, camera? Oh, it was just one scene. Like, okay. like they, they had this great scene. I'm, I'm really good with uh, religious parody for some reason. I just love... <laughs> so they had this whole thing set up where they were at this restaurant called uh, Cheez's Crust Pizza. <laughs> and there was this Jesus waiter and, and whatever. And so I got cast as the Jesus waiter. Mm-hmm. And I got really excited. And I kind of wrote some extra stuff. <laughs> and was like, you know, just all these puns and stuff and, and whatever. Um, and I was packing to fly because I was living in LA. They were filming in Boston. My manager called me. The, like I was about to leave that morning. He called me the night before and he went, ah, they just did some rewrites and they your part is now just basically an extra in the background. <laughs> and I went, oh. And he went, um, uh, they're going to write you another part or you can come and just be an extra. And I went, well, <laughs> write me the other part. So they, they wrote me another part and I flew out and did that. I didn't nail it. I just felt, well, I felt like I just... It, I was so invested in this other thing mm. that when this thing came up, I just felt like I didn't I didn't embody it. Yeah. And it was just a wise crack and it, again, it was just one scene that I had. But they gave me the whole experience where like it was just me and like like they would pull they would remove set and pull the camera in closer and do it again and then shoot me from over here and like literally the makeup lady would be coming and dabbing me going, "Oh, you look great out there." Cuz she'd be watching on the little monitor. She's yeah. like, "Oh, you look Oh, it's going so." And I just felt it was like, "Wow, this is like the Hollywood experience." Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I got to see Dane, like, you know, working hard as a leading man in this film. And just, I was like, wow, yeah, that's, this is hard work. And, mm. uh, and then I was told I was cut out. But I was, I was almost relieved because I was like, I didn't feel like I did it justice. Right. I felt like I, I got through it, but I didn't, you know, it wasn't mm. 
made for like I don't know. I just mm. didn't feel like I did a good job with it. So, uh, but you still get royalty checks even though you've been oh, really? out of a film. Yeah, oh, that's excellent. Yeah, so take that. Take that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I got twenty five dollars last month. <laughs> Uh, so it seems it seems like that you're on you know you're on private jets you're in tour buses and uh, doing auditions and things it seems like LA was starting to really you know take off for you yeah it was it wasn't bad yeah and then you ended up moving you made the move you were going to make in 2006 so when did you end up coming to Australia when in uh, right at the beginning of 2014 yeah was that was that like a tough decision to leave LA or did you just think you know. Well, once I had kids, it wasn't like right, yeah. I had kids, and I something changed in me. I guess that's what happens. But mm. in, and all of a sudden, uh, kind of like comedy became more important than drugs and alcohol. My mm-hmm. kids became more important than my career, and yeah. I just went, you know. And tons of people raise their kids in LA, and it's fine. It's just not what my had my mental picture yeah, right. was like. Nah, yeah. And I had this, you know, beautiful Australian wife, and we had been to Australia. I'd been dozens of times, or at least a dozen times, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even said to her because we had an Australian wedding and an, an American wedding back in two thousand and one. And I said to her, uh, "Well, you know, we'll move here one day. This is mm-hmm. great." And she was like, "All right." And she yeah. fucking remembered that. <laughs> um, so we ended up having two kids. So in our house, we had a two and a half year old and a newborn, and like, and it was just, and it was that same thing of like. Of of I don't want to drag my kids through me chasing my dream. Yeah, like okay. I don't know. It felt selfish all of a sudden and right. empty just to me. So I was like, I want to give them the best life I can give them. Mm. And luckily, I can do comedy in any English speaking country yeah. in the world. Yeah. So it's it's worked out. I miss I miss my friends and I miss L.A. sometimes because I I miss the excitement because it it mattered. Like you do yeah. a show at the Laugh Factory on a Saturday night at ten o'clock best show on the planet right working with my comedy heroes i would watch growing up like people would just come in and you'd be like oh my god yeah yeah. and i'm mc so i get to talk to them and go hey what do you want me to say and so what sort of people did you see oh god um it's too many to mention it was just like (laughs) anybody you've heard of they were there yeah and it was just it was crazy and some nights it was just like a a part it was just i was in heaven for Mm. a while yeah then i realized like okay i've had my fun i need to you know Mm. Raise my kids, basically. Did you? Yeah, it's, it's interesting comedy, isn't it? Because it's very self. You know, it's all about you. You're just one business, and you're yourself. So yeah. it's, you know, I would like to have kids in the future, and it's just interesting that you do throw all your eggs into that basket of, but having to then care for other people, and you know, you got to make a living for other people. Uh, yeah. did, did you uh, surprise yourself at all? How much you? How much you just were willing to just stop and. Did yeah, kind of. Yeah. Like, I never would have thought, before they were born, mm. it, it, I just thought, oh, we'll just keep doing this and I'll make a ton of money and it'll yeah. be great. But then when I just, you see them and they're so fragile and innocent. And I showed my commercial agent um, a picture of my eight-month-old son, just socially, like, mm. held up my phone and went, here's my here's my son. And she went, oh, we'll represent him. And I just went, fucking, ew. What? <laughs> ew. <laughs> um, it just geeked me out. So... Um. Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, I said something." Okay, and they just went, "Oh God, no, yeah. never, Jeez. Um, never ever." And you know, I hope if any of them want to be performers, they're going to be so pissed that we moved out of LA. <laughs> um, they're going to. Any of my children are like, "I wanted to be an actor, and now I have to move to LA." <laughs> dual citizenship, though, would they? Yes, they have oh, dual well, citizenship. They're so they're fine. Absolutely yeah. laughing. Yeah. So how did how did you find? Uh, so you you moved to Sydney. Moved to Sydney, Northern Beaches, <laughs> and uh, and how did you find 
the Australian comedy scene and, and just the, well, the, the Sydney, crowds when you moved over. The Sydney scene reminded me rather of Boston, very sort of oh, young right. and vibrant and supportive. Yep. And I just went, wow, this feels nice. You know, it's obviously a smaller market, um, which is why I'm doing cruise ships, because it's like there's not enough land work really to, mm. to keep the coffers full. Well, but, yeah, there's um, not sort of that uh, that club yeah. in every – like there's clubs in every capital city – but not so much uh, five or six clubs in every capital city. So you can go right. and do, you know, that Plus there's one. only six capital cities. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can sort of do those ones yeah. every three months, but it's, yeah, you, you need to find work. You, yeah, you need to find wherever work. Wherever you can get it, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so these uh, these ships were, were a blessing, you know, and it's, as, as you all know, the shows on the ships are fun. It's finding finding how to fill your time the other 23 and a half hours <laughs> yeah, yeah. that kind of does my head in do but, podcasts um, the two pod yeah exactly <laughs> um this is going to be a 23 and a half yeah. hour podcast um but the crowds and stuff i i found them i got the australian sense of humor because i've been married to an aussie and i just i just had to do this thing that i still do where i just i feel the need to endear myself to them yeah first thing so i go yeah i'm american but i live here now i have joke about that and then just jokes about here's what I've noticed about Australia, yeah, and and just try to be honest in it. Where it's like, you know, here's what I like better about Australia than America. Here's what I like better about America than Australia. You guys say this, and that's yeah. weird. And Auss- that, Aussie crowds love that stuff. Yeah, yeah and I think it's it. important for me to do that living here because I've seen American comics come here who don't live here, and they just start they just start talking, and they'll talk about Australia almost like, oh, isn't it adorable? You have your own little country here, and Aussies yeah. are like, what? Who the fuck do you <laughs> yeah. are? Or um, they go the other way and they're extremely cocky and yeah, and Aussie crowds don't really go for that. Yeah, either. yeah, they yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. to know a bit more about you first. Um, so, so I feel like that's the only difference is I, I have to. Um, oh, and that's not the only difference. Like my crowd work in the states, I think, is a lot quicker and smoother because we we share a culture. I share a culture with my audience. Yeah. Here, I'm sort of double checking things, and you know, if I make a reference to something from my childhood. You're not necessarily going to get that, mm. so it's like I, you know, it's sort of taken me time. It's, yeah. it's more of a mental workout. It's not just immediately there for me yeah. to spit something back. Oftentimes, I'll say to somebody, "Where do you live?" and I, and in my head, I go, "Why the fuck did you just ask that?" Because <laughs> they're going to say something that you've never heard yeah, of, yeah, yeah. and they'll, they'll, they will, they'll be like, gung. and I'm like, "Fuck, I don't know why I asked that question." <laughs> but in in the whole, they're 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 lovely. I do sometimes when I go. Uh, to the country with the road shows and stuff, I do feel like I get a bit of a cross arm, <laughs> you know, sapo. Yeah, you know, you think you're better than us. <laughs> um, so I try to win those people over, but sometimes you can't even because yeah. they just they don't want to hear it. Yeah. Have you been back to uh, LA to perform since you've been here? No, I went back to New York uh, a couple years ago for uh, for a few shows. A lot of them got snowed out actually, so I only only ended up doing one, but oh. it was great. Yeah. yeah. Have you found living in Australia and playing to Australian audiences? Uh, and writing a bit more Australian sort of themed material, uh-huh. then going back is that is it changed how you'd perform in America? Well, yeah, I did realize the one time I went back, I went, oh, I can't do any of my new stuff. Hmm. They're not gonna get it because it's all sort of Australian twinged. Hmm. So yeah, so and I even had someone tell me like, yeah, it was great, but you know, it was I've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> like my New York show, they were like, yeah, it was all the stuff I've heard before. And I went, oh, yeah. Well, I... And now I have new stuff that I could do in America that's that they haven't heard. But at the time, two years ago, I didn't. I was just, all my new stuff was geared to yeah. Australians in Australia. Right, yeah. Do you, do you find, uh, like I, I've known you for a couple of years now, yeah. but 
I didn't like we were just talking to you. You're not really like a you're not a, a bragger or anything. So I have to get oh, things bragger. out. I don't know why. Oh, I, sorry. I thought you said ragger. So and I was what's like, rag- what's a ragger? Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> My mind. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I've only known about you touring with Dan Cook and how things you got going in LA before you moved here just from talking to you. Yeah. Do you find like bookers and things like people around Australia are like, oh shit, like because I. On this cruise, we were talking to one of the staff here last night. She's like, yeah. hey, I Googled you after the last cruise. And she's like, you've done a lot of great stuff. Like, you're a really big deal. And you're like, oh, cheers. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you find that you get that a lot here in Australia that you um, – so- Sometimes. Yeah. Like, when I first – like, it's amazing. In my fashion, as we learned from my conversation, uh, my my previous podcast with you, um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't do much. So, I just moved to Australia. Yeah. I didn't contact anybody. I just moved here. <laughs> I sold all my shit and we moved here. And then I had this little video clip of me um, from a Showtime special with John Lovitz MCing, and I sent that to the comedy store. And they were like, oh my, so that time it worked because yeah. I had LA Comedian of the Year and that little clip and they were just like, in oh. the comedy store, like I was there sometimes two weekends a month for yeah. like my first year here. Yeah, But I still had like an American attitude. So there was a lot of gigs I was turning down because I was like, it's not enough money. Uh, like, what right. are you talking about? Yeah. And, um, and, but then I wasn't getting any work. So mm-hmm. then my next year's resolution was I'm going to take this year, I'm going to do anything that has any money attached yeah. to it. And that's when it's sort of, you got to get out there to get seen, right? Yeah, so I yeah. just went out and that's when people started being like, oh, the old American guy's funny. Yeah. Um, and then I just started getting tons of work. So yeah. it worked out for me. But, um, and yeah, I mean, there are like, you know, I, I meet comics that are just like, oh my God, like, I, you know, I love Bill Burr, I love Dan Cook, like, um, and to me, I, I appreciate that and I love that, but mm. I'm like, well, what about me? <laughs> like, thanks, but what about me? <laughs> like, I know those guys and I love those guys and it's great that you love them, but I'm here now. Because, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, I'm a comedian and yeah. I want it. What, what did I say the other day? Enough about me. What do you think about yeah. me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's still in there yeah yeah so you've you've done uh the, the jfl australia didn't you, you did it here at yes, the opera just house for and, yeah, yeah and you, do you feel like you're row. starting to get a bit of a foot in the in the scene here kind of yeah, yeah i feel like um i feel like i do have to you know there were dues to pay which was interesting like you know i, I moved here and i was kind of told like hey we're not going to throw an american on television because all we get is american television yeah right. we're very they're very you know we're very proud of australians and australian television mm. um and i went okay <laughs> um, so I figure, you know, I've been here four years. I'm, you know, maybe around five years, six years. Like, yeah. uh, once they realize I'm here, because I think a lot of people too were like, especially the store, the Booker couldn't, didn't really, it never sunk in to her that I lived here. Because okay. to her, it was almost like, why do you live here? <laughs> um, what are you doing? Like, yeah, what are you doing? And, and but you know, so I had to be like, should call me and be like, are you? In town for, you know, I'm like, yes, I'm always here. I live here. Um, she'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll book you in. You know, do you, uh, you know, about paying me and stuff. I was like, no, I have an ABN. I live here. It was just funny to me. So whatever. I'd love to, you know, get get around and do panel shows and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what's sort of available in Australia for yeah. comics. It's like mm. there's a lot of panel shows and radio and but I'm more. I, I, luckily, I love doing clubs. I just love doing yeah. comedy. So I do it. It's great. I enjoy it. And then if other stuff comes down the line, it's like, oh, it's been ten years. He does live here. <laughs> um, then yeah, that's great too. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing about Australia is you can just 
still, even though it's obviously not as big a scale as America, you, yeah. can, you can still just do, you know, so long as you're willing to travel is probably the only yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, travel. Is it is a, a similar f- flight from uh, Sydney to Perth that it would be from New York to LA, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so almost the same. So you're kind of used to that. Yeah. Anyway. And do you have any interest in doing the festival run here? Like, obviously, coming from a club background in LA, where f- festivals aren't really a they have yeah. them, but it's not the main. Like yeah. in Australia, I feel like it's the main thing. Mm, yeah, um, it's definitely sort of f- f- late January to June. Yeah, there's a lot of festivals through yeah, that so time. Six months out of the year, it's yeah. just festival, festival, festival. Yeah. I've done Sydney festival every year only because I live in Sydney. Mm. Um, I did Rado Fest. My first or second year here, which is a lot of fun. That's a one-day festival. So you do yes. like five shows in one day on the yep. little island. Mm. Um, that was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, and it, it's not it's not laziness for me, but it's just sort of um, uh, what's what's the term I'm looking for? It's just sort of going with the flow. Yeah. If it comes my way, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So with Sydney, it's like I live here. I just sign up. They go, yeah, you can do some shows. I go, great, I'll do some shows. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to like go to Melbourne and grind and because mm. partly I have kids and I need to make money. And if I was a younger comic, I'd love to like spend a month somewhere and just pass out flyers and, <laughs> you know, just get all, and just do shows until yeah. I want to drop. But it's like, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Um, so I'll do Sydney. Yeah. And, and do you think you'll live here forever now? Do you think Sydney is your... Um, I can't say anything forever. See, mm. my wife, we lived in LA for eight years and she didn't have the best time in LA. Right. So, uh, let's see, four years in Sydney. I, I have four years left off to pay my <laughs> debt to my wife. Um, I, I might even want to move some. I'd love to try living in Melbourne because I yeah. just I feel like it's Great more spot. more New York like. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. And I like that vibe because hmm. I was there a while back and I just went, oh yeah, this, is a, this city has a pulse. Like Sydney's hmm. great, but it's just overcrowded and it's a Bay City, so the roads hmm. are all. It's like you you put something an address in Google Maps. And it'll go, oh, that's 4K away, because as the crow flies, it's 4K away. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. you want to drive there? Oh, oh, that's that's 47 <laughs> kilometers away. Um, we didn't know you wanted to drive there. <laughs> we thought you wanted to fly. Well, yeah, if you want to move to Melbourne as well, you can let me know. I'll put you in contact with... You hook me up? <laughs> I'll tell him you don't live here, though. I'll just say... <laughs> Yeah, he's from LA. He's just yeah here for a short just, period of time. Because yeah. I think once, honestly, once the comedy store realized I lived there, they used me less. They yeah. went, "Oh, he lives here." Oh, <laughs> and I think that's when yeah they started using me yeah. less and less. <laughs> and what about plugs? What about social media? Where, where can people uh, follow you? Oh, I'm on the Facebook, and yeah. um, so you got an Al Del Benny. Al Del Benny. I have a, 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 so a like a Benny fan is page. it Benny Benny. Well, that's how I say it. Okay, Benny B E N E. I say Al Del Benet for some Benet. reason. Well, you can do that. That's Australian, As long as you don't it? say Al Del Bean. <laughs> I get that a lot. But Al Del Benet. And my California cousins say Baney. Al, they say okay. Del Baney. Yeah. Um, so, but it's Italian for good. So, Bene, Bene. Oh, lovely. So, I just get lazy and say Benny. Oh, so, your name's pretty much all good. Uh, my name means of the good. Of the good. Yeah. Right. But I like all good better. <laughs> yeah. uh, and. Some Australian said once to me, and I went, God, no one's ever said that to me before. I like that. I went, yeah, my name means of the good. And he went, oh, that sounds a little try hard. <laughs> I just went, eh, see, I love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so you're on Facebook? I'm uh, on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Um, I go through spurts on Twitter. I get inspiration, mm. and I'll tweet for like a week, and yeah. then I'll take like a month and a half off, <laughs> um, or sometimes more. But uh, it's at Aldel Benny on Twitter, and I'm on Instagram if you want to see 
pictures of sunsets and puppies. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Vimo, but I don't know even what to do with that. Really? Yeah, do you know what that is? I, not, not v- Vimo. What is it? I'm not, I have the app. I'm no, Vero, I'm sorry. Oh, Vero. V-E-R-O. It was supposed to be a Facebook killer, but nobody ah, gives a fuck. And you're on there. I'm on there. I, I always, I usually sign up for everything as soon as it comes out. Mm. And then, you know, because you can always just drop your account. And I had uh, a comedian email me once, um, and she she just emailed me or Facebook messaged me, and she said, I think it's hilarious that you have a Pinterest page. Because <laughs> I didn't realize it was for housewives. It was just this thing. If it comes out, I sign up for it. Yeah. Um, and I and I went, oh, and I looked at Pinterest, because I was never really on there. Mm. And then I looked at it, and I went, oh, yeah, she's right. So I deleted my account. <laughs> So um, what's your, what's your v- Vero? It's my just my name. Just your name. All right. Well, I, I don't know if I can promise you any new followers any, on Vero no. <laughs> through this podcast. But damn you! What's the use? You may get a couple on your other ones. Yes. Uh, well, anyway, well, yeah. Thanks very much for popping over to my cabin. For the yeah, chat you were today. two cabins away. Two cabins this was, away. So yeah, this was a. Do trek. you reckon if I was three, you would have? I would have told you fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's too far down the hall. <laughs> well, Aldel Bene, thanks very much for taking it easy with me today. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. No worries. All right. See you at the buffet. <laughs> hey, hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow Al on social media, you can find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Al Del Benny. Uh, I did say Ben A a couple of times, but Al Del Benny is how he likes to say it. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends. Uh, I'm obviously on iTunes under Daniel Connell, Taking It Easy. Tell your friends to subscribe. If they don't have iTunes or know even know what iTunes is, you can just listen to it via my website, which is danielconnell.com.au. There's a podcast section there. You can go and just listen to all the episodes. This is episode 19, so there's 18 others. Uh, while you're on there, check out my gigs section uh, for upcoming live shows. Off to Canberra soon, so tell your Canberra friends if you've got any up there. Uh, also, check out my social media page. I'm on Twitter at danielconnell 3 and Facebook, Daniel Connell Comedy, and also on Instagram at Daniel Connell Comedy. So get on there and get around that stuff. But that is it for this week. Thank you for listening and take it easy.